Welcome to this episode of the Connected Communities Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be speaking with Sean Molino, BCA. Uh, Sean is the Managing Director of Forces Fitness Limited and also the founder of the Veterans Awards. And he served with the Welsh Guards during his time in the British Army. Um, since leaving the Army, he has set up educational programmes, which has reached over 45,000 young people across every local authority in Wales. And he also is an ambassador for the Welsh Government's Big Ideas Wales programme that focuses on developing entrepreneurial skills with 16 to 25 year olds. Um, In 2019, Sean was invited to Buckingham Palace to receive the British Citizens Award for his contributions to health. Through this podcast, we're going to explore a whole range of topics, including what it was like before service, his time in the British Army and also what it was like on his transition leaving the Army and how he went about setting up two very successful organisations. For me, Sean is a very inspirational leader uh, and it's a privilege to have him on the podcast. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast. Let's get to it. So welcome, Sean, to the Be In Unity Connected Communities podcast. Uh, it's a real privilege to have you on. Um, for those that are listening, Sean Molino, BCA, is the Managing Director of Forces Fitness Limited and also the founder of the Veterans Awards. Um, Sean, really appreciate you taking some time out your busy diary um, on the day of the Veterans Awards in Scotland. Um, so thanks very much for that. Obviously, you're a very proud Welshman. Uh, and we're going to go into some of your career um, from military service right through to business, the way that you launched Forces Fitness Limited and then founded the Veterans Awards. But before we go into that part, what I would quite like to focus on is what life was like for Sean between the ages of five and 16. Yeah, I think, you know, life, I wouldn't say life was overly bad. But first of all, thanks for having me, everyone. Thanks, Danny. Um, yeah, I think life wasn't overly bad. I think um, pretty decent-ish sort of child and I say up until about 12, 13-ish. I think hitting 13, sort of things change slightly. You know, you get your hormones, you become a teenager, so <laughs> getting caught and maybe drinking in the park and stuff, <laughs> particularly back in my day. Yeah. Um, and then I think around about 14, my sort of stepfather and mother split up as well. And I sort of moved out with my, I think I was living with my nan about age 15 to 16 years of age. So that was quite a tough time, that was. Yeah. Um, so there was a, f- a few difficulties at home. So whereas I probably was not a bad student and think, you know, I would have, Probably passed most of my GCSEs, not, you know, would we come with the B sort of grade or a C grade. It was never an A star guy. Um, but I definitely would have passed them. I sort of didn't get all my GCSEs. I come away with a sort of C, um, in art, uh, and then mostly D's. But at the time, I genuinely probably didn't care what I come away with. Does that make sense? I yeah. didn't, I sort of just turned up for the exams, whatever. The coursework towards the last sort of year and a half of my sort of school was, I wasn't really focused, if that makes sense, because there was a lot of things going on, you know, at home and um, a lot of things that led to like my mother and stepfather getting divorced and then me to moving out to such a young age, you know, being on my nuts. It sort of didn't really care about education. It wasn't high, high on my sort of, priority list at that time really so that's sort of my age sort of growing up at the age of once I left sort of school I went to Bridgend College and a level two in computers um past my computers it was halfway through my level three and those who know me I'm not really a sort of a person that can sit down behind a computer I'm quite sort of out there bouncing <laughs> yeah. around and that's sort of me really um and one of the boys said do you want to come off and join the military 
Um, so we said off we go and look to potentially join the the Welsh Guards. So we both went down for our for our sort of um, medicals and everything. He couldn't get in because he had when they had documents because he had an asthma pump. He's now actually a warrant officer class two in the Royal Marines because he joined three years later. Um, and then I obviously joined the first battalion Welsh Guards. So see that that teenage period where there was a bit of difficulty in the household mm. and your stepdad and your mum had split up. Yeah. Um, what was it like moving in with your grandparent? Yeah, I think I don't think my mum liked it very much that I moved in with my grandparent because it looks like obviously almost nicking my son's sort of job. I think was what yeah. I said back then. But I was always a pretty much of a, a safe space. Probably maybe is the word. Now you look back on it and you yeah. sort of self reflect and understand what sort of the aces are, the adverse childhood experiences, sort of working in that sector of health and well being now. Um, yeah, so I think it was just, it was a tough time. It was a tough time. It wasn't, um, I'm overly joyful. I'm a very positive outlook type of guy. Looking back, those are things that have definitely shaped me to who I am today. Um, but it was tough. It was tough, you know, because, you know, blokes and youngsters, I know we don't tend to talk about the stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we bottle it up a little bit. It may be let out with anger or we may go to, go and have, you know, 15, 16 years of age. You may end up drinking a little bit or you may end up doing other stuff like some yeah. friends got into drugs. You know, it does. It's so that's a sort of a difficult age of things ain't right at home. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've sort of tried to put right with my family, if that makes sense, you yeah. know, and trying to make sure that we've got a good home environment, making sure we're constantly in contact together, you know, because I think that I wouldn't want that happening. But again, it wasn't overly bad. It was maybe the last sort of, between the age of 13 and sort of 16, I think where it sort of went wrong when all the sort of divorce and uh, you sort of things, see things that were going on in the home and you recognise things a little bit more. Yeah. So moving in, was it your gran? Yeah. Uh, so moving in with your gran, you, you referred to that as known as like a safe space. Mm. And it's interesting because you only understand safe spaces when you when you know what a safe space is. Yeah. Because your household probably felt like a safe space. Yeah. Up until the point where your gran's house felt a wee bit safer. Um, and it's really interesting because there's actually like loads of studies done on kids who have got uh, interactions with their grandparents. And children who have got more experiences with their grandparents tend to go on and do better in life. Mm, um, never knew that. <laughs> and, and, and that's because grandparents are really good at a different type of love. Um, and I, I've experienced that myself with my own grandparents mm. and my own parents. Um, so I, I'm glad that you managed to find that safe space. Obviously, education is a big part of both of your careers after the, the, the experiences in the army. And it's also reassuring to hear that you're, you're aware of ACEs adverse childhood experiences and integrating that through the programs that you're delivering with, with education. So joining the army, did you ever think when you were a teenager that you were going to join the army? I genuinely no. I don't think it was something that was, I would have said, I want to join the army. I didn't know what it was going to do. And I think I speak to children and young adults in schools about entrepreneurship, about setting a business. And a lot of them are the same, but I was, what do you want to do when you get older? I don't know. So I just try and say to them, what do you like doing? Because I think from my perspective, if you like doing something and you can get a job or a career in that, that's, that means you're going to put so much effort into it. It's not going to feel like work. And there's the Ed Ock saying of, you know, yeah, I'm never going to work a day or I don't feel like I'm working a day in my job because I love it so much. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's the sort of message that I like, definitely like to put out. But I, did, I never actually thought up until really someone said, do you want to go to the military? And I sort of said, oh, I wasn't finding computers overly you know, great, you know, to pass my level two, I was halfway through my level three, wasn't really into Pascal programming and all that malarkey <laughs> that was going on. I just thought, do you know what, let's give it a go. 
And, and, and up until that, I did a lot of martial arts when I was younger. So I did a lot of like um, things to do with the Korean martial arts. I was a black belt when I was 12. I played a little bit of rugby, um, you know, up until I was around about 14 years of age. So I was always quite fit. Yeah. Uh, I was always pretty fit on like runs and 800 meter runs and stuff and like sports days. And I was, I was up there in the sort of top three or four, you know, each time. So, um, and I just thought, let's, let's give it a go and sort of never look back then really. <laughs> Good. So what age was it you joined? So I joined at 18. So I left school at 16, yeah. done a year in year in college, 16 to 17, passed the level two. And then that other year then, I sort of halfway through my level three and then then off to, off to, uh, you know, off to Purbright then it was. It was, um, so obviously it's all trains now. The, 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 the first and second phase trains have been Catrick. So my first phase training was in, um, was in Purbright, which was originally Guards Depot, which was the home of, of, of Guards, Guards training basically. Yeah. Um, but then they started to phase that away and they took second phase at the Catrick, which is in Yorkshire for those who don't know where that is up north. Um, and that now the full guards are up in, are up in Catrick phase Catrick. one and phase two. Yeah. Um, I actually went to Purbright for phase one as well because I initially joined the household cavalry. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if they, Cavalry still trained I in there. I think they do. I think they do. Aye. I think they're still there. The household carry are actually there. It's just the foot guards have moved. All infantry's moved to the Catrick. Yeah. Um, Pubrights, uh, could speak all day, but Pubright and the, the delights of some of the hills in that area. Um, but 18, joined the army. Uh, joined the Welsh Guards. Was that through choice? To join the Welsh Guards or? Well, I wanted to join a Welsh regiment. I wasn't really interested in in anything else. I wanted to join a fighting regiment because I thought that's what you join the army to do. When I was there, I thought, yeah. if you're going to join the army, let's go and do the job and let's, you know, do let's, the let's get on aspect. the ground and do the fighting aspect of it. Um, so when I marched in the Korea's office, it said, well, I didn't march, I walked in, obviously, because I didn't know what marching was. Then. I walked <laughs> in and said, look, I want to join the best Welsh regiment. And um, the recruitment sergeant said, look, you know, the Welsh Guards, you know, they're the best regiment, where's the most senior regiment, and, you know, give her the spiel. He was a Welsh Guards recruitment sergeant as well, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, you didn't tell me I could fly helicopters. I've heard that a few times from some people. Yeah, yeah you could fly helicopters in the <laughs> Welsh Guards. You did. I know I asked him out a few times on some some boys. And the, um, but no, so, so yeah, so I, I joined the Welsh Guards. Um, I just wanted to join the best Welsh regiment. And I wanted to be surrounded. I don't know. It's quite nice to be surrounded by Welsh people in one respect as well. Not yeah. just Welsh. Obviously, there are some English that that are in there and other nationalities as well. But it was nice to keep it sort of almost, almost at home, a home yeah. within a home, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. It does make sense. Um, they've done away with like the careers office mm. essentially now, where it's like a posting that you can get put into. Um, but I think most people from old generations are joining the army would have been persuaded into the regiments due to the recruitment sergeant mm. that was in the in that post at the time uh, because I, I initially went in I was household cavalry yeah. uh, and then the second time I went in I was Scots DG so it was whoever was in charge at, at that moment in time um, how did you find phase one and phase two training? Uh, looking back I was quite I was, I, th I think I was quite a good recruit, you know, looking back, I was always pretty, pretty much up there on the fizz and my standards. I didn't get, you know, bagged too much. I didn't get dragged around the drill square yeah. or sent into jail like used to happen when we went through training and definitely didn't get punched. <laughs> you didn't get punched, which is another good sign that my kit was in good order. Yeah. Um, but no, it wasn't too bad. I met some great people, some really good people. Um, you know, some of the, some of the sergeants. That when I sort of uh, went through training, it was would have been my sergeant through training. They were my later my sergeants within sort of um, two company. Then when I became a PTI and an announced corporal, I started sort of going up the ranks. Um, but yeah, I enjoy training. I, I I don't I didn't find it. I don't think I found it overly really hard because I've always been fairly fit. But that, mm. if you're fit. I think well, someone said to me once, if you're fit and you've got half a brain, you'll do well in the army. All right. And I, aye, think, I think aye. that's probably right. If you're a bit yep. switched on and you're fit and you're willing to learn and willing to put the effort in, yep. you could go really, really, really far in the army. I think if, you, if you're struggling and you're not fit, 
that's an, that's a big battle you gotta you gotta try and sort of win. Um, so the fitness is, is is fundamentally key. Um, yeah, but I enjoy training. I didn't. I, again, it was it wasn't it wasn't something that sticks in my mind as a nightmare. You know, when I look yeah. back, I know pretty pretty much people only do remember the good times, mind because yeah. there obviously is bad times. I like to think that when you when you're looking back, you think, oh, that was great. That was. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it was overly overly challenging, yeah. although it was challenging to a degree, obviously. I think I've got a wee bit of film where we are. Um, experience of that because when I went so I had always wanted to join the army since mm. I was seven yeah um, Bosnia and Kosovo was kicking off and I can remember two soldiers in the streets and I was walking through with my mum who you've just met uh, and these two soldiers were recruiting and I was like oh I'd love to join and they says you know you need to come back when you're 16 but don't worry you don't need any qualifications you don't need anything for that day I can remember like I want to join the army yeah um, to the point where I actually went home and I, I ordered the recruitment VHS video uh, for Bosnia and Kosovo and it was like a seven minute long video yeah. and I think it was the most played video in my wee tape player uh, in, in the house um, but I went into phase one training with a mindset this is something that I really want to do and I can remember getting to week 14 and thinking I don't believe that's been 14 weeks already Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the majority of the experience mm. so it, obviously there's an element of discipline that people learn mm. uh, getting your kit in good order mm. making sure in the right place the right time the right dress um, the only time that I can remember feeling a bit broken is probably the best way to say it was going through bayonet training mm-hmm. um, mm. and I'm guessing you've went through similar experiences of that Yeah. Um, what was that experience like learning to, to fix bayonets and then you think that your platoon sergeant and your, your troop corporals are all they're all pally yeah. and then one day you just wake up and they're, yeah. they're your worst nightmare yeah, I think well, being at training guards was a very bit. You know, it was a big, it's a big one for us, and I think that a lot of the the instructors would uh, point back to the guards being involved in the Falklands. I mean, I went through training in uh, what would be ninety nine, so it was a big. You know, there was a big talk about the Falklands. They gave us a big talk about it. I think he had pig's blood all over his face, and you know, he was talking about you know, the Scots guards uh, Mount Tumbledown, how they fixed bayonets and charged the hill and took the positions, and yeah. you know, it really sort of got you into that feel of, and it was, it was tough. It was hard. Yeah. Being a training step, that's what it's there for, isn't it? That's what it is there aye, for. And that experience and, you know, take my hat off to anybody that has had to fix bayonets and clear trenches and clear enemy positions, you yeah. know, cause that's, you know, we trained hard for it. Yeah. Um, whether that gets replicated so much afterwards when you actually finish mind, yeah. um, I, I, I don't, you know, not to that level, I don't think really. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was good. Um, and again, the point back for being a guards regiment and, and the point back to sort of that Falklands war uh, where they've done it for real, you know, Mount Tumbledown. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that I've always, I can remember being part of the experience of learning like bayonet fighting um, and the dissociation between like it being a human being and being a sandbag. Uh, and the, the training was really directed at that as somebody in that position and you've got to go and you've got to mm. do that to them. And I think that part of the psychological aspect it doesn't prepare you well for it prepares you it mm. prepares you well for the the physical aspect mm. so people can clear trenches yeah but there wasn't much education at the time i know things are changing now thankfully in the army but there wasn't much education at the time to think about the psychological effect that that can have later in life yeah yeah i, th- I think i think you're right in saying that i mean although they probably wouldn't want to speak to them about that at the time of the bayonet training. Yeah. But you are right. But I think, I think afterwards and, and understanding, I think, which is more when you look at the, the, the mental health training that's in place now in the, in the military, certainly yeah. it's much better. I think pre 
2000, I'm probably going to say, definitely pre-2005, I got out in 2005, I'd probably even say maybe pre-2009, pre there wasn't much there. I mean, when the Optelic, um, at the end of Optelics and the Herrix and the, the effect of the sort of Afghanistan, that's when it's become more to the forefront again. So I think anyone that left so much prior to that, 2005, that are going through sort of seeing situations or having to do, you know, things which were which were hard on um on the mind um wouldn't have had that support network yeah. in place but it's good to see that things are changing and there's you know there's support groups like yourself uh, and other support groups across the sort of united kingdom that are there there's a breakfast hubs uh, where people have got self-isolation need to reach out they can speak to at point first contact yeah and also we've got these sort of hotlines now i mean new england's got up courage there's veterans nhs wales and veterans nhs scotland's run a similar system mm, not sure about that i, I think i think they're getting there okay um but the but so up courage is yeah. uh, an outstanding initiative. I'm mm. sure it was Johnny Mercer that introduced yeah. it. Yeah. And I would like to see something like that replicated in Scotland. Okay. Hopefully they're, they're on the right trail to yeah. get there. Uh, but I think it just needs more people vocalising it and, mm. and talking about the importance of getting these guys and girls the support that they need. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was involved in a campaign called The Guard, which was done by See Me Scotland. And it was a it was basically raising awareness for mental health for veterans. Um, and it was a great campaign and it, it got some people talking. But... Once the campaign was over, everything settled again. Yeah. As if everything disappeared. Yeah. Um, but I, I know through the, the work that we're involved in with the veterans that we support that actually mere work needs to get done. Yeah. Um, there's, there's holding groups which are enough for people to be able to speak in, but the actual real therapy and, you know, the, the counseling that some yeah. people might actually need uh, isn't the, as accessible as what it is in England, okay. I don't believe. And that's okay. just my experience. Yeah, no, that, and that's nice to know because I'm, I'm unsure of that. I know yeah. veterans NHS have got NHS Wales have got a good system in place. Yeah. Although, from uh, speaking to some veterans, it takes a long time to get that actioned. If that yeah. makes sense, the system's Aye. great. Might just take a bit too much of a long time to, to, to actually put things in place and the treatment in place. Yeah. Which obviously we like to speed that up, yeah. really, because if they've got a good system, if we can just get it sped up a little bit quicker, I think that will help a lot more people. Absolutely. So, any army. Past phase one training, past phase two training, obviously a fit guy. I believe that you were identified quite early in your career to go down the the route that I never went down, and you would have probably been my worst enemy if we had served alongside each other as a PTI. Yeah, right? talk to us about your experience of being a PTI. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I to be honest with you, I love that job. It's similar sort of to sometimes when I'm even though I'm more of a management role now, it's still things that I dip in and dip out. I train every day practically as well as much as I can. Uh, maybe not after a heavy night on the session or something. Yeah. Probably won't, but <laughs> but I train as much. But I loved, I loved the physical training. Yeah. And I think within sort of a year of me being in uh, or passing out, so by the age of about 19, I was selected to go down the Army School of Physical Training, again, which is quite quick. I think for those that have, um, you know, got unit PTIs, it's, 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 you know, it's usually a bit longer than that, you yeah. know, a year and a half or two years before somebody selected for that course. But again, I think that was testament to sort of my um, character of pushing myself on all the runs, on the way to carries, you know, and back then we do CFTs every, every Friday, you know, it's a full weighted Bergen carry, carrying sort of 44 pounds plus your rifle. And you have to do that right in under 155, but we ain't, we aimed to come in a little bit, a little bit sort of under that, but we were used to carrying heavy weights and running. Um, and I was just always up there, always pushing myself, always better myself or trying to better myself really. And that's something that I sort of continue to do. So now my attitude has definitely changed from being in the military. When I was in the military a little bit, 
how you sort of get into the attitude of drinking a lot, moaning or purging, as we used to call it. That used to happen a lot when I was yeah. in the army. I think that, you know, the last sort of five to eight years is where I'd say my attitude has changed a lot more to developing a bit more of a positive mindset. But going back to the question, because um, I digressed a little bit then, yeah, love being a PTI. Um, really pleased and, 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 and happy to have been sort of to go down there and do the course. Uh, again, tough course, loads of fizz. You can imagine loads on instructing because you have to be able to do the fizz and then command the fizz, do it safely, yeah. do your sort of risk assessments and lesson plans before each session. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What, what was it like as a... Because I, I mean, when you're when you're fresh into your new company, mm. um, you're still a sprog. Within 12 months, you're getting selected to go and do a PTI course. Mm. Um, for those that are listening, that's a physical training instructor. And then you're pretty much responsible for taking every rank on mm. PT. Uh, and you might just be a fresh board right out of training. You've just done your course, but now you're responsible for your sergeant majors, your commanding officer, your squadron leaders. What was that experience like, having to command those who are in command of you? Yeah, I, th I think there's one thing if people know me from even when I was young, I've always been quite confident. <laughs> you know, maybe a bit chopsy when I was younger <laughs> as well. So I've always been a confident person. Um, so... And again, I think, again, that's why I was identified to go down at a young age that, you know, he was, he's a confident, he's a fit guy. Let's give him this opportunity to go down and do it. It was a little bit difficult to start. As you can imagine, you've got an eight and nine year old guardsman who's probably twice the size of you, a bit muscular, who've been in the gym for a long time because he hasn't yeah. come out of basic training. And you're like, tell him, come on now, get speed up on the run. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but you sort of gain the respect as well. At the end of the day, if you're, you're doing the jobs, you're firm, you're fair. And I'd have a laugh with the lads. But if, obviously, I think my Lucas, one of my mates said, as soon as the red belt comes on, you're a different person. Uh, yeah. And that's when you're in charge. And that's when I'm on PT, you're on PT. And I was different. Even my mates I'd be out in the beer with, about, look, come on, you know, pull your finger out. We're doing it and this is what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, the unit PTI is there to make sure that you're at the standard um, to do your job correctly. And whether yeah. that be sort of a warfighting role from an infantry battalion, we'd like to think that we were the fittest, we were the best. Like most regiments will think you're going to be. Yeah. Uh, all the other ones are rubbish. We're the best. You know, you have that little bit of banter yeah. for those who are not in the army. Um, but, that, but that was my job to make sure they were physically fit. So, you know, and I, and I took that, took that you know, seriously, really. And at the end of the day, if you're not fit, and you're not able to do your job on the battlefield, that could cost lives, couldn't it? It totally. So, you know, um, but I, yeah, again, that, that, when I look back, and hence the reason when I left and set up the company, which we'll probably come up a bit later, is that was something that I really, really loved from the army, yeah. which has sort of stayed with me. The first sort of managerial course that I ever, ever done in my life was pretty much that, yeah. really. And right. again, it was a good course to do, and it gives me a, give me a city qualification as well, which is nice. Yeah. Interesting you're talking about the importance of making sure that people are fit enough to do their job. Because I, I was part of a tank regiment, essentially when, when I first joined, they were a tank regiment. And fitness wasn't always like top priority, because probably because we were always on tanks uh, and it was the tank part that was the priority. And then I noticed a real shift when it came to pre-deployment training to go to Afghan, where like it was no longer you're on the tank park. Like you're in the you're in the gym hall half past eight every single morning for the next six months. And I struggled with it, man. Like massively struggled with it. But I can remember when we then deployed, I wasn't running six miles in Afghan at a time, but my body was conditioned to be able to, to deal with the weight mm. and deal with the actual physical effects of the stamina that yeah. has to come when you deploy on operations. Mm. Mm. I guess those who are not PTIs and they're on the receiving end, they are a tough session. They don't like the people with the red belts <laughs> at that time. But I, I'm grateful that you and your, your teams managed to get us to a, a good enough level to be able to deploy. So how long was it before your first promotion? 
So when, so you as a guy again, it's slightly different. You you get made up to go on a course, so he's made up as a lance corporal, obviously to go on the course. But when you come back, that's not a substantive rank. Yeah. So you get made up to go, you come back. So I was a guardsman, as a PTI, and then within sort of another year and a half, then is where I went down to um, household division and parachute regiment centralised courses to do my um, corporal's course. So it, and obviously it's, it's a bit different in the guards. So you're a lance corporal in the guards, but you get two stripes. I don't know if many people know that out there. So instead of having a one stripe, you actually get two stripes. And yeah. A corporal in the guards would actually have three stripes would be known as a lance sergeant. So uh, the, the rank system is, is, is slightly different, but that's where we go down and do our junior NCO Carter alongside um, the parachute regiment battalion. So you'd have uh, one, two, three para, and then it's the, we'll say the five foot guard regiments then. We'll do it together. Okay. And so I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, so they they both go to the same place to do the yeah. So, so household division and parachute regiment centralized courses, yeah. which is the five foot guards, three para regiments. Um, they go to a place called um, uh, Imperbright to do multiple courses. So there's a sniper school there that only those regiments. You, they go away and do the sniper courses, carders together. Um, they will do um, their junior NCO carder together. So that's where they'll run it. They'll do it all right. together alongside. And you'll have a mixture of guards, DS and para DS yeah. working alongside each other. Because I think there's something else that you know, the guards and paras are quite sort of quite close in relation to that. Obviously, the guards have got their own platoon attached to three para, yeah. which have, uh, you know, is the only only inf- other infantry sort of regiments um, that, uh, that are the full that are attached to 16 air assault brigade if that makes sense yeah. so you've got a, a platoon it used to actually be um, a guards parachute independent guards parachute company I think a long time ago obviously that's whittled down now with the scale of the military and everything there's a platoon that are attached which uh, would wear the sort of guards guards flash and then obviously uh, the um, the para insignia then on the beret so after your corporal's course did you did you fulfill any other different rules within the guards before you got out so um Pretty much after that, I finished my corporal's course, um, got a distinction on it, enjoy, you know, in, in, that was a tough course to be fair, and to come off with a distinction, um, there's not many people come off with distinctions, does that make sense? And I had two para, yeah. two para DS on the course, so, you know, they, 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 they're pretty reg, you know, so to, yeah. to come off as a guardsman with having two paras as yeah. my instructors, I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? One of them actually served in the Falklands as well. I mean, it was, um, I was pretty proud really to come off with that. And I think the battalion were over the moon with it when I went back there. Um, but, you know, again, I wasn't really an army barmy man, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't really, I was, I enjoyed it. I went there. I was only going to do three, four years. We got posted. My last posting was St. Athens. Um, so that was a nice posting, which is like 15 minutes away from my house, RAF St. Athens. So we were on the base with the RAF, but I'm yeah. sort of based in the gym and the sort of headquarter company then, which is a lovely posting. So really sort of, I, I, I sort of, after, I give my notice after about five years, so I was, what was it then? I'd say 23, 23 years of age then. Uh, I sort of put, put my sort of uh, my, my ticket in to get out and then geared more towards resettlement. But, you know, when I was in the army, I did enjoy it. I think I enjoyed it when I was doing stuff. Yeah. The sitting around waiting and the stupid stuff. I didn't enjoy drill that much, which is weird being in the guards because yeah. I think that's what you're there for. Uh, but I didn't overly enjoy the ceremony stuff that much. Um, I just preferred doing, you know, I'd like to have been in operations a little bit more at that age. Um, and in the end, I just thought, you know what, I, I just, I've always been a bit entrepreneurial then at this point. And I just thought like, it's, it's time to get out and try and do something different. Yeah. And that's where I geared myself more towards sort of, um, management then, if that made sense. Yeah. And I, I might reset them more towards that. Did you find at the time when you were transitioning out of the army, the army were supportive of the resettlement process? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I was quite lucky because I, I was in the training wing as a PTI and I had a good team around me. Uh, you know, there was it was there was two warrant officers, me as the PTI, one doing sort of skill alarms, and then we'd be like the training wing team. So in each unit, I'll have a training wing team. So if someone wanted to go on like a promotion course, we had to get them fit. And we take off the, we take the exercises for them and train them yeah. and do all the fizz and uh, some more than to go on pre para selection or pre SAS selection. We take them on that. Some more to go. To, so it was a nice time for me. But because we were in such a close knit team, we were pretty much first name terms, really, unless someone was around, uh, which again is pretty unheard of in the guards half the time, really. <laughs> um, but it was nice, and they were they were gleaming. They were they, they, we were a really really good team. So I, I could sort of just fit my diary around as long as I was doing my fizz, which probably. I deliver three sessions a day and go off and do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Or if I wanted to book onto a course, I was left almost to my own devices as long as there wasn't some, they needed me for a certain training plan or training exercise. So they weren't too bad, but I think that's because of the position of where I was. Yeah. You know, I was the training wing sort of PTI. I was almost, almost to a degree in charge of what I needed to, to do myself. Or I could say, look, can I get this day off or can I move this round? And they were pretty much, yeah, no worries because I was on my way out, if that made sense. Aye. I ask because I've heard some horror stories uh People have chosen to end their, their career early and they, they want to leave and you've got a 12-month notice. Um, and, and some people will then just put them into like a, what a shit job. Like, yeah. oh, you're, you're leaving us, right, go work in the stores for 12 months. And yeah. they just hammer them with tasks. And they don't get a lot of time to actually explore that resettlement process yeah. and, and the support that I guess some veterans might need mm. when, they're, when they're getting out. Because I, I found the army very safe, good wage. Yeah. Always get food. Um, you don't need to worry too much about like traveling for work. Sometimes now I travel maybe an hour. Yep. My wife travels 45 minutes a day there, 45 minutes back. Uh, in the army, you wake up, you roll out of bed and, and you're on parade. Mm. Um, there isn't a lot of preparation for a lot of people, I yep. found, that actually when you leave the services, you need to travel to work. You yep. need to pay council tax. Yep. You need to think about gas and electricity. So I'm glad that your experience that was actually... Well managed, yeah. albeit by yourself. I was pretty much at that point, which also which also helped me. I mean, again, the reason I probably would have left a year or two earlier, but when I found out we was getting posted in Athens, yeah. it's 15 minutes from house. Yeah. I was living out anyway. I was living out at that point. Mm. I actually moved there and I was in I was in a house just coming in. I had a bunk on on camp, but I was yeah. literally just living out at that point. So it was almost it was almost like a mini transition. It was all, it was nice, it was almost a perfect time, I suppose, in one way, as you want to say it, for I, me to get out. Um and it gave me a lot of time to uh, to explore sort of career opportunities and to get out into the market, do loads of training courses. St. Athens then had a good sort of training centre on there, so you can do a lot of online courses as well. Go to the education centre and get on with some stuff. I don't know if you think it's there now, but at that point it was it was spot on. So that really helped as well. Yeah, good. So I'm guessing with the, the line of work that you're in now, uh, you must get young people, and I'm going to come on to Forces Fitness in a bit, but you mm. must get young people maybe engaging or speaking about joining the army. Um, I know that in my experience of working with young people in schools, they've asked the question, like, how do you do it? What would I need to do? What type of advice would you give young people specifically if they were thinking about choosing a career in the forces? Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, it looks at what, what you're interested in, really. I mean, I just chose, I wanted to go do the war fighting, you know, <laughs> you want to call it, like, just get out. And do, that was me at that age. It was a young age, though. I think yeah. my brother joined at a later date. He's still in now serving in the uh, military police. I know people like their mind, but he's mm. serving in the military police. But do you know what? I think that, you know, he's gone off and got his close protection courses done, mm. get a degree from it. Do, do you know what I mean? There's a yeah. bit more of, of, of qualifications that he's going to have before he leaves. You know, he'll get called up while he's in there. So I think if you can try and do something with a trade, that may help. 
yeah. you know, if you can, because when you come out, at least you've got that trade. I was lucky. I, I got a trade yeah. through physical training because I was fitting on a course. Yeah. But if I wasn't fit, I wouldn't have been on that PTI course. And I maybe would have left with just my resettlement course. I'm wondering what I'm going to do. Maybe I could have ended up just on the CP circuit, which a lot of the infantry guys, a lot of the infantry guys did. But the advice that I give them is um, find out what you want to do first. You know, is, is it the sort of glory regiments or you know, do you want to say, you know, is it you know, Parareg or is it the Royal Marines or, you know, is it those sort of war fighting uh, sort of roles or is it something that you, you want to get a trade in? Do you want to be like, you know, a mechanical engineer? Do you want to, I don't even know if they do too much chef in these days, to be honest with you, but they certainly did when we were in before the army yeah. chefs and you go well, that route. Um, but you can pretty much do every job in the armed forces that you can do in civilian life. It isn't all about going out shooting guns and all that sort of stuff. So there's loads of supporting roles out there. I think it's a fantastic career. I'm really glad I joined. I'm, I say that every time to everybody. I'm really glad I joined, but I'm super glad that I left when I did as well. Yeah. I think those six years were fa- by far enough for me. Um, I, you know, and I'm very proud of my service career. I'll speak to youngsters and say, well, you know, won't do you any harm joining up. Give it a go, but remember you can leave as well. You know, there's you know, it doesn't matter. And I've known some people who have left and then gone back in and rejoined. Yeah, there's a yeah. few a few of my mates are doing that. You know, they're on their second stint then. Exactly. So you know, if you're unsure, it, it, it doesn't hurt. But speak to somebody. Speak to somebody who's been in the role. There's a lot of veterans out there. They'll be willing to sit down and have a chat and have a brew with you about you know the roles. And I'm sure that online now they do a lot of online chats. So you can yeah. really really research what people do online and understand if. You know, you're gonna enjoy that, enjoy that sort of specific job task in the military. Um, Qualification-wise, in the military, um, the they offer loads of qualifications that are directly translatable in civvy street. But I can remember my my process, my thinking when I was thinking about getting out. It was like, who who wants to employ a Challenger two gunner? Mm. Right, like, there's not a lot of job roles in civvy street for a Challenger two gunner. So I, I then thought, well, actually, I need to become something first year so i ended up doing it in telecoms which yeah. is signals uh, and then become an instructor to get that teaching qualification and that was the basis for me to then leave mm. the army so as i could go into education outside of the army yeah. before i joined i had no qualifications yeah. so all, all my learning and qualification wise and my i guess my my understanding of leadership was built and developed in the army yeah um, and now it's gave us a really good basis to then translate that into into business but more importantly, aren't they looking after people? Yeah. I think it does give you um, great leadership skills, man management skills. You turn up on time. You learn to take care of yourself. Like you just mentioned, though, though, that, that's great. And I think the, the other piece of advice is, and that's what I give my brother, is just do as many courses as you can in there. Get on as many courses as you can. Just do it. Just get Aye. on courses. Use your time wisely because you'll be a veteran at some point. Yeah. Whether you're a veteran in five years or 25 years, at some point, you're going to be a veteran. No, it's very rare, and I don't know many, I don't think anyone has actually spent their whole life in the army from the age of 18 to the end, because you're going to come out and do something. Yeah. So always think of that. Always think, could this aid me? Uh, could this aid me on Civvy Street when you come out? Yeah. Um, I was thinking there, when you were going through like the basics, like it gets you disciplined, get, show up on time, you look after yourself. Uh, we, we, me and my wife were in a car the other week here. I can't remember where we were driving to or driving from, but she says, I'm really grateful that like we're never late because of you mm. and I was like it's because like I was I was I was driven into me with fear like you just can't be late so we, we always leave like 20 minutes early so as we're there 20 minutes before my um, wife my wife and again she listened to this she, she, my wife always says I, I am there super early if someone's going on I, you know I'm probably there half an hour 40 minutes early all the time all the time I'll be there early forever then 
She's like, what are you getting ready now for? Because, you know, I want to get there. Or if I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Like, we've got ages yet. No, no, let's go. We've got to get there. That's in me, that is. Aye. That would be in me. But that's not a bad trait to have. No, it's Trailer not. Be it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It, it served me well. Mm. And, uh, in fact, I don't I don't think I've ever spoke to any veteran who's said that being early is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, they, they're, always, they're always there. They're always bang on time. Um, now I'd like to just step into the world of business. Mm. Uh, and the first thing that I'd like to explore with you, Sean, is uh, Forces Fitness Limited. So when you transitioned out of the army, what was your first role? So I, I transitioned to gear everything towards management. So I was in St. Athens gym, which is a big gym. You know, there was a fifth, I think it was a, I want to say it's a 30 meter swimming pool, odd size, maybe 25 meter swimming pool, high boards, uh, 400 meter indoor running track, football, Babington courts, full sort of gym setup, CrossFit gym sort of type. You know, it's, it's yeah. a, it was a huge gym. So I was running that, delivering sessions. So I thought I gear my settlement towards management. So I did, and I geared it more towards leisure management rather than personal training or a fitness instructor. I thought, look, I'm better than that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's a bit of advice I give to people if you're looking to transition out, if anyone's on, you know, listening now, um, is geared it towards that. And I was lucky enough to get a role in a small gym in Cardiff as their leisure manager. So I run that for a year um, and then went and run the Village Hotel Swansea. Um, So I run that then as their leisure manager. Remember that being built? Uh, so you put a full sales team in place, a full operations team. And I was the leisure manager there for a sort of year and a half. So I went into management, really. Um, obviously, transferable skills and management and leadership are, are key. When I went to the first job, I had to learn things like profit and loss, accounting, marketing. I had to learn that yeah. quite quickly on the job. But I'm, I'm always willing to learn. And I'm, and I'm always, again, like I said earlier on, willing to try and better myself and be a better person. Um, that went quite well. Hence, we get in the job again within a year within a ma- massive place. Like I don't know if anyone's been to the village hotel gyms. They're big. They're not. They're not small. They're, yeah. they're big pools, sauna, jacuzzi, steam rooms. Big, big. You know, the gym memberships in villages can range anything from sort of two thousand up to sort of four and a half thousand, five thousand people. They're big. They're big memberships. Um, and then after that, pretty random. I ended up uh, working for Littles. I can say, how did you end up working for Littles? It was solely just the money. I think I was earning between sort of 50, 60 grand a year uh, with them at a fully expense sort of um, Audi A3. And I was one of their training academy managers and store managers, so running one of their stores. So that was a bit of a transition, really. I said, well, well, how did that happen? You know, we've got the army again, around fitness and PD and leisure manager. You can see how that happens, but littles. But again, it's proven the pudding out there that if you're a manager, you you know, you can learn the basis of things if you can manage people well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, again, I worked with them for around about 10 years. At that sort of time... Just before I moved, when I was in the village, I set up Forces Fitness. So I was out in Civvy Street about about two and a half years before I set up the business Forces Fitness. And that was run alongside Lidl's up until about five, six years ago. I'm going to just pick up on that. When you launch a business, you're also employed, on the other hand, by maybe another organization. (laughs) So for the majority of time, you're running your own personal business and setting up and getting getting the wheels going at night time or during the weekends Mm -hmm. or during family time can be quite stressful. What was the driving factor behind launching Forces Fitness? Um, I've, I've, again, it was nice to do something myself. We started off doing sort of outdoor boot camps. It was more of an outdoor boot camp provided to start. The, yeah. the company's moved and pivoted a few times now, and now we're now more in the education sector and employ a lot of people, as you, as you know. We'll talk about that in a second. But the driving force was really that 
I think again, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset. I want to do something myself. Yeah. Um, it was handy to have on the sides, a bit of a sideline. I always thought it was something that's going to make me a couple of extra hundred quid, a couple of extra hundred quid a month. Yeah. Um, that I could do a little bit later on. I got people to do it, and it sort of grew, and we got more locations as things popped up. Um, did I see it eventually as taking over my wages? To start with, probably not. Um, but more towards the end, as the business grew more and more, and we appeared on sort of BBC. Um, channels with the sort of Alfie's Angels, the Alfie Army programs, and we get more and more inquiries. And it got to the stage I was turning down work because then I couldn't do it because I had work and I was yeah. working 50, 60 hours a week for, uh, you know, for the largest gro- grocers in Europe, Liddles, and they, they make you work hard. Yeah. You're not working. I don't know if you've ever been in anyone, yeah. but there's about five members of staff. You're just scanning some little old grannies getting buried from people chucking corn, corn beef tins <laughs> at her and expecting back quicker. And, you know, it's, it's like, come on, you've got to scan the speed, you've got to it. It, you know, the manager could be on tail then running around filling the shelves. You, I think people who've been in the hills will sort of I think, know. ah, that sounds about right. That's it's a different <laughs> dynamic from Tesco. And, yeah. aye, aye. You are grafting. But that sort of was quite good, the army side of me, because, you know, I was quite like, come on, let's get it done. Let's go, go, yeah. go, 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 you know? Yeah. Let's do it. So that did. But after, probably after about six, seven years of that, it was a bit groundhog day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a bit like, I need a new challenge and a fresh challenge. And it came to the stage of either I really put all my eggs in the little basket and try and get promoted. But I knew someone who was in the position that was sort of above me. And he said, look, it's not, you know, it wasn't, it's not that all sunshine and rainbows here either. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And I just thought, I've got a plan to get out. And and that's when I spoke to the wife. And I said, look, I'm thinking of Anne notice, And there was tough times. And, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a well-paid role. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was bad working for them. It was, it was a well-paid role. But I think you just had enough. You know, when you've been in the wrong so wrong. Yeah. And, and, and it was the best thing I ever done was Anne notice. Yeah. The best thing. I wish I'd done it four years before. And I was worried. Even though the business was set up and it was doing okay. Yeah. Um, when I left and handed my notice in, I could put all my effort into Forces Fitness. I had to make it work because yeah. I recently moved into a five-bedroom house and my mortgage was like, I can't remember what my mortgage was. It was like over a grand a month, grand 200 a month mortgage <laughs> on the house. So I thought, we've got to make this work. Forces yeah. Fitness needs to yeah. work. So my wife had to pick up a part-time job. She had, she was a stay-at-home mum yeah. for years because I had a really good salary. Yeah. So she went and picked up a part-time job as an estate agent. So fair play to her for grafting and doing that. Um, but it took a little bit less pressure off me. Does that make sense as yeah, well? She, she had totally. a part-time job bringing in some money yeah. and later then went to full-time um, for a year and a half while I concentrated on Forces Fitness. After a year and a half, when I said, look, I've got the business, I need to employ someone. Do you want to come work for me? Yeah. Well, yeah now works at Forces Fitness. Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden now, we're both working from home. You know, I got people out there delivering sessions in sort of schools, colleges, unis, all across Wales. It can be delivered in the medium of Welsh, so in, in Shadakamraig in Welsh, and also in um, and also in English. We do cross-border work. We've worked in, like, we've got work going on in West Sussex. We've worked up in Middlesbrough this year, Plymouth, Swindon. So, you know, it's it's such um, an exciting programme to be involved in, and, you know, yeah. inspiring, you know, doing things based around the military again. I'll take this back to the military, so you can see, you know, military-style command asks, talking about diet, talking about well-being, talking about nutrition, and just doing fun team and the commanders. It just works so well. And all the staff that work for us, they love their job. If you ask any of the boys, they will tell you it's the best job they've ever had. I, they, honestly, let's say, Sean, it is the best job I've ever had. Amazing. Uh, I really love what I do. And that is half the battle because if you've got good staff, treat them well, pay them well, you know, yeah. we tend to have, we got, I you know, we set the veterans awards up, but I tend to enter two awards every year and they're our company nights out. Yeah. So I say, look, 
Use my card. Drinks are on me. Let's have a tea. But I'll have some drink. Whether we win or lose, doesn't matter. Yeah. This is our company night out. Love it. You know, rather than just going out on the beer or rather than just, you know, just waste it. I think get dressed up. Enjoy the night. It's nice for the company when you shout out about it. And you're going to have a lovely night on me, you know. So treat your staff well. And that's something that that I had. I, I did again learn that from the military a little bit. You know, sort out the troops first. Yeah. You know, the junior ranks, they, you know, get them get them up there first. And they, they do that in the military quite a bit as well, to be yeah. fair. And that's something that I sort of taken with me, um, with, with definitely making sure I look after the lads and ladies, should I say. It's a, it's a really important point, that cultural aspect. Um, there's, there's bits of the army culture that mm. are actually like totally suitable in, in business. Mm. Um, and looking after people, making them feel safe and making sure that they, they're challenged, but they're, they're cared for mm. uh, while they're working is really, really important. I feel as if I'm repeating myself here, but I know that experience of leaving a really well-paying job and like jumping into a business that y- you don't know if it's going to be successful or not. And I had done that when I left um, GE. So I used to work for General Electric. Yeah. When I, in fact, dare I say, I think they might be like the third or fourth biggest company in the planet, mm. right? Um, as one of their technical trainers doing at the, the maintenance repair and overhaul facility in Prestwick. Well-paid, you know, great pension, loads of mad benefits that you get. I used to get £600 to buy outdoor walking equipment every year, right? It was fucking amazing. And then it came time where I was running BN unit in the side and I was like, I was pushing work away. I wasn't able to commit to it because I'd already used all my holidays and I never had much time. I had that conversation with Lisa and for me, I'm really grateful that she's really supportive in the Mm. work that we do but she supported me from working three and four jobs at a time when we were building BN unity to launching it full time and then that reward came uh, for that support. Like Lisa's new part of the team. Mm. You know, she's our uh, community and relationship mentor. And she does such meaningful work with kids in schools. That opportunity came because the both of were committed to it and worked really hard for it. Yeah. But a, a lot of those transferable skills from the military are in our business. It's in that social enterprise, not being late, showing yeah. up in time, yeah, making, sure sure. That, making sure that everything is, doesn't always need to be perfect, but making sure that it's crystal clear and people know exactly what they're going to get there. Yeah. So when you launched Forces Fitness, um, and it was a sort of boot camp, mm-hmm. military style, I'm guessing there was like log runs, there was yeah. carry It was very military. It was very yeah. military. And there is scope for that. I think at the time, we were like the first ever outdoor boot camp to have operated in like the Swansea area. There wasn't any, you know, so it was back in, I can't say when it was. It must have been maybe 15 years, 16 years, 2000 and seven thousand and eight maybe when we launched but yeah all the outdoor type boot campy stuff you can imagine the full-on beasting type thing you know right. that it started off as that and again we had seven venues across wales we were probably the largest outdoor boot camp provider in wales at that point um because of the multiple venues we had but when i sort of looked at the bottom line and I put a business head on rather than a yeah, let's be great and be one of the biggest boot camps in Wales. We weren't really making that much money. Yeah. <laughs> but you're looking at it going, well, hang on, I'm paying all these instructors 25 quid an hour. You know, we need to pay these people, what, four sessions a week or whatever. You know, that's 200 quid a week. Yeah. You know, that's that's like 800 quid each venue. Yeah. And then we looked at the bottom line and thinking, it's busy through the summer, pretty quiet through the winter, through the as you can yeah. imagine. It's not as bad as if you're in Scotland, mine in sunny South Wales, <laughs> but it's still bad in Wales. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought it wasn't really worth it. So... You know, it, it took a little bit of time to think. I have to strip these back, and I did one by one by one until I was left with one location. Location we started on, which was Bridgend. Um, But uh, in the end, you have to rule with my head over my heart. Yeah. Um, COVID made that happen, yeah. really, to be honest with you. 
I think when I sat down through COVID and thought, how am I really going to make this work to get to the stage that it's a really, you know, it's a really big business that runs itself um, with me just, you know, adding in and getting contracts. And that's when we looked to change and work more so in the education sector. We'd always worked in the education sector. We'd always yeah. worked in schools. But I think before COVID, we worked in like 100 schools. Now we've worked in over 650 since wow. 2001. Yeah. So the growth of schools is 550 schools in two years. That's amazing. So yeah, massive. Absolutely amazing. massive. Um, but again, that's through doing things well, doing it great, getting the data, getting yeah. the reports, presenting the reports to the funders. Yeah. So they understand that, oh my God, yeah, it is. Look, this is good. This and, and not my thoughts. You know, we 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 get learner assessment feedback off the learners. They log on, they do the Google form themselves, that gets reported straight back to them. So, you know, we're not you know, that there is coming straight from the thing, the horse's mouth, whatever yeah. you want to say, from the learners. Straight learner, from the people. From the people. I... So from the learners, from the youngsters. Um, but it's really grown well. We're good with our marketing. I think that's key for someone who's yeah. in business. You've got to be key with your marketing. That's massive these days. Um, but again, I think the attributes of being a good person, doing a good job, delivering well, reporting back and shouting out about it. Don't forget to shout out about it. Yeah. People might get sick of people shouting out about it. If you're that, just turn off our channel, innit? That's what I, I think about I, it. Don't I just worry about it because I'm always going to shout out about <laughs> it. And I would advocate anybody, if you're doing a good job, sing it from the rooftops and do it really well. You know, if you make mistakes, you know, it happens. Put your hands up a little bit, maybe learn from it. Take the positives from it and move forward. And we and we all we all make mistakes. Christ, yeah. we made enough mistakes, and that and that, that that's something. What I've got to say to people as well: if you can if you can overcome sort of that fear of failure, that's when you'll massively grow as a business person, yeah, uh, or as a person in life. Speaking about the educational program in schools, um, I had seen that it went to over five hundred and fifty, but it's mm. over six hundred and fifty yeah. now, which is again is superb in the space of two years, man. Mm. That's a huge, huge achievement that should be celebrated. I had done a wee bit of research before we had met up. And it said that your educational programme had been delivered to over 35,000 45,000 now. Over 45,000 45, yeah. 45,000 learners now, yeah. And the majority of that in Wales? Mostly Wales. So yeah. we've delivered within every local authority in Wales now. Right. Uh, and that was a task for me off the back of COVID, was we were in sort of seven. And I said, look, I, wanna, I wanted to... I always give myself a challenge every yeah. year. Right. My challenge then was, right, I want to get in every local authority. And we have. Yeah. We delivered within every local authority. Maybe not every school within every local authority, but we have within within there. And again, we we sort of branch out, even though our hub base is based sort of South Wales, but I've got the instructors dotted around. I've got a couple who do some work for us up in North Wales that are positioned up there because it's, it's a long drive up there. So I think it's five hours from yeah. South Wales to North Wales if you want to get to the tip because yeah. it's all A roads and B roads and stuff. There's no motorway through. Um, it's quicker to get to sort of Manchester half the time, Liverpool. But um, but yeah, that was the plan really was to try and deliver to the whole of Wales and I'm glad we've done that. Um, you know, that was the plan for Forces Fitness just like the plan with Veterans Wars when we set that up was eventually to make sure it's in each home nation yeah. which we finally done last year. So I'll always give myself a challenge. I'll always give myself a plan and then I think it's getting the right people to deliver it. I couldn't do it all on my own. Mm. It's always part of a team and we, I mean, yes, I'm sort of what we call maybe the cheerleader or the motivator yeah. and I'll put the plans in place and try and get the contracts with the local authorities or the schools. Rhea does a fantastic job with booking them all and reporting and the boys and, you know, the girls out on the ground, they're the ones that actually do the good job Doing they the deliver it all yeah. and they do a fantastic job but they've been trained well you know when people come on board they, they do multiple shadow sessions we work alongside each other quite a bit yeah i'm working with a couple of the boys next week on certain aspects you know pop out not all the time because ultimately I'm, my time is better spent now in in the office you know trying to find if we can get new contracts you know because we want to keep these people in work Aye. so that, that I, I see myself now bad if i haven't got enough work for them yeah. i want to make sure they're out on the ground working hard so they can have you know, get paid really well and have a nice time with their family and have a good work-life balance as well, you know? 
you you're, your role shifts from person delivering to person looking after the people delivering. Oh, for sure. Um, and and that, again, that's a pure honour to be able mm. to lead people in that way. But I, I found those stats fascinating. Forty five thousand pupils uh, over the past couple of years is just outstanding because it's been delivered in every local authority in Wales. Mm. So huge congratulations. What I'd like to move on to now, Sean, is the reason why we're here today. So we're in, for those that are listening, we're in the Village Hotel in Edinburgh for the fourth edition of the Scottish Veterans Awards. But the Veterans Awards is a community interest company that you founded. Mm. Could you just tell us a wee bit about what it was that inspired you to launch the Veterans Awards? Well, I think I've always I've always found great value in awards. I think I said that. Last time I, I would always apply for a couple of awards. We take the team out, we do it. And when yeah. I was first started up, I, I started to do the smaller type awards, like the South Wales Awards or the Progen ones. And now we're looking at UK national ones we tend to go to. So I've always seen the value in promoting the positives from your, from your company and organization and from yeah. you as a person. So that, that's something that sort of stuck up there. I won a few awards with Forces Fitness. We won sort of the UK um, Fitness Industry Awards, the Education Provider of the Year, the year before last, which is a massive award. That's you know, all the gyms across the whole of the United Kingdom. So um, cool. And then we won a couple of awards recently, sort of the Gold ERS Award. We picked that up from the MOD, um, Children Activity Awards. So again, anyway, so I've always been sort of, into that remit. And I've gone to a few. Uh, I got invited to an award ceremony. I think it was in central London. The tickets were a little bit pricey. It was a lovely event. Don't get me wrong. I think it was like £350 plus VAT for a ticket. And I thought, jeepers, that's a lot of money for a ticket. And it was like £425 for one ticket. So I said to the wife, do you want to come? She said, Sean, you can just go on your own. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I said, I want to go anyway. Just have a little look. It might be good for networking. Because yeah. I see that as a businessman, you know, originally, because Forces Fitness Veterans was unstarted then. Yeah. And I sat in there and I thought, I wonder if we could do something like this. But do it, you know, also as a community sort of based organization. Could we do it so the tickets are a lot cheaper? Could we do it so we can encompass everybody from our community, not just people who can afford £350 a ticket, £400? And that's where sort of Wales was born. So I come back, I spoke to a guy called Pete Davis, who was ABF um, charity. I spoke to a couple of people who potentially could sponsor who I knew maybe had been to some veterans. I said, here's my idea, what do you think? And it was sort of born really from a couple of veterans having a chat, saying what you think. Um, we trialed it for a year through Forces Fitness as a pilot originally. Um, it went extremely, extremely well in Wales. And then we switched it to a CIC straight away because I thought, look, I didn't want to be setting up a CIC in year one in case it didn't fall flat on the face. So yeah. we, we trialed it for one year. It went so much better than expected, so much better. And then we set up the community interest company. So I'm just the founder of the Veterans Awards. There's board members that sit on the board. And then we've got like an inspirational panel where we catch up and we talk about it at the end of the year, right? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? You know, what do you think about this hotel? What do you think? About, well, you know, just again, bouncing ideas really. So yeah. everybody within our organization on the board and the inspiration panel work in a voluntary capacity, which is, which is, you know, which is great really. And they're all business leaders in some fields, some property developers. Um, there's Scott Johnson from Veteran Owned. You would know him. He's, yeah. he's a big, uh, he's quite pretty, pretty, pretty big in the veteran, veteran space. Uh, we've got Bev Garside who does sort of due diligence. Um, but all those operating in volunteer capacity. You know, Amazing. nobody gets paid for that. There's a very, very small wage that comes out um, of it for, to cover admin, to cover, so obviously answering emails, for around about £15,000 a year. Other than that, after the awards, everything above and beyond cost then gets put back into our veteran community. Because what I wanted to see happening was I wanted to make sure that we're doing it 
one for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, one that would benefit the veteran community by celebrating the positives and they were giving them a good night, a great experience. We're promoting all the finalists, yes. not just the winners. Everybody gets their own five minutes of glory or whatever you want to call it. We'll pump it out on our social media. We want to make sure everyone has a special night. Um, and then at the end of the year, whatever's left over in the pot, we want to divvy out to those sort of smaller sort of breakfast hubs, um, health and well-being sort of charities, people who focus on supporting our veteran community with a turnover of, of under 100,000. So that's the speculation as well. The smaller ones that are really making a difference. Yeah. I mean, on the awards nights itself, as you will be aware, um, you know, we do fundraise for the ABF Soldiers Charity um, in Scotland and in England and Wales. We do it for the ABF Soldiers Charity and the Royal Navy Royal Marines Charity as well. Yeah. So, to, but, but we do that on the night. That will go to them. And I know, to be fair, they're good charities as well. They do support a lot of the smaller charitable organisations by giving out grants. But yeah. sorry, that was a long-winded answer then. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a type of answer that we need because because there's so much that the Veterans Awards actually does for an outsider's perspective. Like people might just see it as just an awards. People yeah. just having a good night out. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, else, some people for the veteran community they're doing good work, good night out. But actually, it feeds into the actual veteran community in a bigger aspect. The the small grant scheme, um, which is an amazing scheme, by the way. Thank you. Uh, ju- just just for people to understand what that actually is. Or small organisations that are doing charitable and good work to support veterans and in any way are able to apply for a small grant through the Veterans Awards if you are if your turnover is under a hundred thousand. And last year we, as a social enterprise, be in unity and the Veteran ERV, which is our mental health and suicide prevention group for veterans, actually benefited for that small grant. Um, we were successful in their application and it actually allowed us to produce more belonging boxes to send out to the veterans that connect to us, whether it's just through the messaging service that we've got or if they come onto the actual um, Zoom call that we host on a Monday night. Veterans benefited from the, the Veterans Awards, a, a great scheme. So the Veterans Awards started in Wales, moved in England, yeah. went to Scotland. Yeah. Northern Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, so we've got it in the four home nations. Uh-huh. I seen somewhere that there was going to be a Veterans Awards somewhere else in one of the Commonwealth yeah, countries. Yeah, I mean, that's something we've, we've been... It's, it's finding the right people. To, we, we, we want to do it, and there's, there's things in place. Uh, and I think there's... Because it's such a... I, I, I love it. I think it's a great idea, but it does take a lot of time. And yeah. you've got to have someone that's willing to give up a bit of... It depends what where you want it in. He's going to give, give, give up quite a bit of time um, and can be in a position to do it. In, in, in sort of a, the other country, if that would make sense, or another country. We'd love it to be in the Commonwealth. We'd love it to be somewhere. We've looked at Canada. We've looked at Australia. Um, so we want it to be there. It's just finding the right person who can just take it to that next level, you know. Yeah. But there's there's an opportunity there for people. So if there's someone listening, maybe they thinks, do you know what? I think I could find, I think I could run this. Yeah. Um, because basically, that's what we've done with Northern Ireland. Northern yeah. Ireland is set up. Jason Gillard does a fantastic job with his team up in Northern Ireland. He come over to a couple of hours. I told him how, exactly how it runs. It's branded very similar to us as well. Yeah. Um, and I just think that it's a really good, um, it's a really good format, and it really benefits the veterans of that nation as well. Brilliant. Just going to move us on, showing some. I'm cautious that we've, that you've got a very busy day ahead, a very busy afternoon setting up the, the final event for the Veterans Awards tonight. What I'd like to move into is essentially what we do at the organisation, what we like to focus on is having a wee stream of mental health coming through most of our podcasts and it allows a different perspective to be appreciated and it allows other people to think about mental health in a different way. So thinking about mental health and because we're at the Veterans Awards, we're going to talk specifically about veterans when yeah. it comes to mental health. What type of challenges do you think veterans face when it comes to getting support 
for their mental health. Yeah, I, what I think is all the challenges that are similar in some respect to what everybody faces in one way. Um, you know, it's it's your own your own challenges in yourself to come and speak about it. I think that's the biggest yeah. one. The biggest one, how you deal with it. And we do all deal with things in different ways. I'm guilty of not talking. I know I am. Sometimes when I've had enough, I might talk to my wife, but that'll be it. But because I, I know I can trust my wife. Yeah. You know, so it's nice to have that person, even if it's just one person to speak to. You yeah. don't need a whole group of people to tell your troubles to, I don't think. I think that can be sometimes a bit dangerous because people can use them against you as well then, which doesn't help. But if you've got a person, you can confide and speak to when you need to. That's key. So understanding that you need help yourself. Um, sometimes understanding where the help can come from. I do like to think that's a lot better now. Mm. I do like to think it is, yeah. although there's a lot of places, isn't there? There's a lot of places. Yeah. There's not really one sort of centralised route. Yeah. We know in Wales that Veterans NHS Wales would be the go-to. That's the, the Veterans NHS one. We know that would be in Wales. Um, but again, is there hubs and stuff that if it's social isolation, could they maybe go, go along to one of the breakfast hubs and have a bit of a chat, have a bad banter and have a bacon roll? Because there's a lot of them. I don't know if there's, there seems to be a lot of Scotland. There, is. there seems to be a lot of Scotland. There's a, definitely a lot in Wales where I am. You know, I think you'd only have to drive sort of 15 miles. There's another hub along yeah. the M4, which is great. So that, that's nice to see them pop up um, because that, that sometimes is the first point yeah. of contact. And they know they have a lot of people come to them to talk about things like PEP, um, disability allowance and pensions. They do have talkers come into a lot of them, which I think is yeah. which is great. So I think there's the two difficulties really is understanding yourself, do you need help? Because we do find challenges. Sometimes we can overcome things in our own mind. We can. Yeah. We can. And often if it's one thing, you could probably deal with it. Two things maybe. If it's three or four things, that could be enough to tip you over the edge then. Especially if it's all came at the same time. For sure. For sure. Uh, timing's important. Mm. Um, so I, like I mentioned earlier that I was part of a campaign in Scotland called The Guard. Um, and I actually just recently done a, a bit of an evaluation with the team that ran it um, that, that launched the, the initiative. And I, I was saying to them that I actually felt really comfortable to talk about my experience uh, and my mental health challenges and suicide ideation because I was in a good place. Mm. But if they uh, if they had interviewed me four years ago, yeah. totally different story. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would have I would have probably mashed it up and says everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but going through that experience, getting the help, getting the support that I needed at the time, and for me, it was actually somebody reaching in to offer support instead of waiting on me to reach out for support. Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle to to ask for help. Yeah, veterans can be quite quite stubborn. Yeah. You know, we, we we've had a lot of big experiences. Again, being in a teeth arm regiment, frontline fighting regiment, it's not really encouraged to talk about how you feel. Mm. It's usually about right, just park that, get on to the next yeah. stop, get on to the next mission, whatever it might be. So I think understanding where you're at individually as a person and having people around you to ask, yes. like, how are you? Yeah, and, and mean it. So a good starting point would be going to like a breakfast club. Um, because you don't need to necessarily ask for help and talk about it, but you'll build a connection with somebody mm -hmm. who will hopefully be able to build trust, yeah. and then you'll be able to offload, or they might have the opportunity to reach in and ask you how you're getting on. I think so. I think again, you said that. I think in connecting with people that will help and support you is fundamentally key in life, anyway. Yeah, you know it is, and having that sort of um, people that are around you that maybe might ask the question, like you said, and, and people who are around you are not going to keep putting you down, saying you're crap, saying you're rubbish, saying it's not going to happen, that ain't going to work. Yeah, you know that. that and through my younger years, I think potentially sometimes that was a group that sometimes you were around some banter obviously and it is some banter but like you know I can remember when he suggested that forces fitness some people go it's never going to work why you want to go laughing and we set up a company and I'm thinking well do you know what I think it is going to work yeah. and I'm glad I stuck my guns to it because if I listened to them I'd go oh yeah maybe it isn't I'm self-doubting myself and I'm just looking, you know, working job. for myself Aye. you know with you know my wife's working with the company I get to see my kids all the time you know, I take them to rugby practice I take them away on weekends don't work many weekends you know 
It's, uh, that's fundamentally key. But no, connecting with like-minded people or positive people that help inspire you and, and work and work and help and support you is key. Yeah, man. So still on the topic of mental health, from an employer's perspective, because now Forces Fitness has grown to a point where, like we said earlier, actually it's your responsibility is looking after those that look mm-hmm. after the organisation. Do you feel a responsibility to make sure that their mental health is looked after? And if you got any type of, I'm just thinking about other people that might be listening yeah. to the podcast, any type of advice to that, that you do that helps to support the mental health of your team? Well, I think, listen, I think, you know, praise, giving regular feedback is key, isn't it? You know, if someone's yeah. done a good job, tell them. Obviously, if something's, something's happened, then you have to give them that feedback too. But predominantly, yeah. most of the time, um, in the job that we're in, it's a very rewarding job, yeah. which has a massive positive effect on your mental health. Yeah. In the job that the people are in, because they're, they're going into schools, they're inspiring kids, they're getting great feedback at the end, that's getting reported back, that's going to the teachers, that's going on a press release, that's going on social media, you're tagging your staff in it. What a great day. Well done, Kieran. Well done, Amanda, you know, Simon, whoever the instructors are. You know that that's that's out there really. Yeah. Um. So I think that yeah, feedback's key. Um. You know, making sure that you have regular sort of, I would say meetings. Um. Although I don't tend to have that regular meetings that much. I sort of give them, I give them uh, they give them their direction and they can do their own thing on their sessions. I'm not constantly man managing them. Yeah. Does that make sense as well? I'm not. It's not under a microscope. They have their sessions. I give them a plan. I say this is what I would do. But you're trained. If you want to change the sessions in between, yeah. here's the timings, crack on if it was a big day. If they've got their regular sessions, they design, they deliver their own sessions, all of them. So, you know, that's nice. It's given the freedom and the ownership and responsibility, really. Given, given some autonomy mm-hmm. to, to the team to be able to choose what's right for them and maybe yeah. what's right for the, the students that they're yeah, taking. Yeah, and each students, you could have a year six in one class, a completely different year six in another class. Yeah. You know, the different kids, they react to different things and yeah. they will know them more than me because I'm not in that school. Yeah. I might not even have that point of contact with that school. It might be Rhea speaking to them and Kieran delivering. They might not even know I am. Yeah. <laughs> know. You're just a guy in the background. <laughs> like, so, so the way that I think about that is... Um, using like a compass and you can give somebody a bearing to march on but how the their route selection can yeah. be different but you've just gave them a kind of direction to go in and then a wee bit of autonomy actually helps people to feel a wee bit safer for sure. believe it or not um, in fact lack of autonomy is one of the biggest indicators for initiating stress in the body uh, so you know when we gave people permission to be able to do something for themselves mm. with, with some guidelines and some guidance it actually helps to alleviate some of the stress of the job mm. I follow these quite often on social media and I don't always read the posts right I will just be clear here but I'm always pure fascinated by the pictures yeah. because you just see you just see Wayne's and kids yeah. having a really yeah. good time man and they're, they're outside in nature they're, they're running yeah. about with logs they're yeah. doing command tasks yeah. and you know that what they're actually building is a real trust and connection with the person who's taking the session mm-hmm. but confidence in themselves they're building up a wee bit of self-esteem yeah. and that will be fundamental in their success later in life Massively. so Outstanding work. Thank you. Outstanding work. Um, and I, I don't know if you ever set out with the intention of preparing people's mental health through the forces fitness, like the physical aspect, mm. but take the PT side of that way. Mm. What they're getting is like real connection with real people. Yeah. Um, and, that, and those relationships are fundamental and people going on to be successful later in life. I think we look at try and focus on, and, and I think there's a few words I think that snap it up. And we look at team building, we look at communication skills, and we look at building resilience. Yeah. I, I, I saw those sort of words that we would uh, affiliate with it because you know they're splitting the teams they're learning about 
you know, uh, well-being. They're learning about maybe some diet nutrition points. They work together in teams to overcome challenges in competition format because I believe like competition, I think, is key. It is, and we are yeah. geared towards that in life. Most people are competitive, whether it's going for a job, whether yeah. it's passing a course, whether you know, you, 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 most of us have got that in us. Yeah. It's very rarely that most people don't care about anything each day. That is us. So we try and put that in. We do actually teach them that you know we, someone will lose at the end. Yeah, someone will win at the end. But you know what? We'll get the winners to clap the losers and say. You did an amazing job. Tell me they did an amazing job. How far, how much did they push you? Well done, the losing team as well, Aye. you know? And that they don't, sometimes that, that was where they look a bit funny. What was yeah. the losing team? Yeah, you are. Tap the losing team. Yeah. Well done, you lot. You've done a great, awesome job. But you are still the winners, though. Well done. Do you yeah. know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's also understanding that as long as you, and it isn't, it isn't that winning doesn't count. I don't like that message that winning doesn't count because I think winning does count. But if you have given it your all, you can still be super, super proud in life that you've given it your all. Does, Aye, that, does totally that make man. sense? Totally. You know, it's, it's, it, it's because I think there's a mixed message sometimes. It always oh, just about the taking part. It's not yeah. about the taking part. It's about the taking part with effort and doing your all. Yeah. All right. And if you've done that, then you're then you're a winner. But if you just coasted through and haven't bothered doing it, and the other teams won, then you know. Do, yeah. do you know what? Do you know what I mean? Uh, I like that. I like the the model of having the winners applauding those who who never won it, the losers, yeah. because I think for me there's like a, there's an underlying message that the winners are still saying. You still matter. Yeah. You know, sure. like, thank you yeah. for being there. Thank you for showing and up. Thank you for they worked hard. They would have worked hard at that point and really pushed. And they do, because yeah. they want to win. And you you get yeah. two gups of kids going against each other. Aye. You'll soon see everybody will start going for it. Because no one wants to let each other down. Yeah. No one wants to let each no one wants to let each other down. And that's like life, isn't it? No yeah. one wants to let someone else down. And you know, we all want to do better. I think the majority of people want to do better and be better people, really. Yeah. So move, moving this on. Another thing that we're trying to introduce into the podcast is what's known as a mental health buffet. And essentially it's like what people do to look after their own mental mm. health with the hope that all the different guests will be able to contribute something different. Yep. And those listening that might be struggling or want to try something different can tap into that. They can taste it. And if they don't like it, they can go to something else on a buffet. Um, so my question's pretty pretty basic. What is it that you do as a person? What does Sean do? Yeah to look after your own mental health? Well, there's, there's a few things that I tend to try and do. I think that uh, yeah, from, from from my side, I try and stay active, which is first. You probably gather that from the yeah. PTI, the training. Uh, that's part of my life now. You know, I, I notice I do feel a bit down and drained if I haven't trained for a while. You yeah. know? So I do try and stay active. But that will also mean to people, it doesn't mean beasting yourself in the gym. It doesn't mean chucking around every weight. It could mean doing something that you enjoy as a person because yeah. it's just as important for your mental health as your physical health as well. Could be going for a swim, could be going for a walk, could be walking for a walk with your family. Yeah. Just something that you enjoy. Try and get outdoors if you can. Green space has proven to be a, a good factor to proven better for you um, rather than training inside. Yeah. Um, some people like group fitness. That might help, you know, because you're actually meeting other people then or group walking talks. Yeah. That's massive at the moment. You see a lot of cold water dipping happening. Yeah. You know what much happens up here in Scotland? There's a lot happening up here. Well, Loads well, of Wales. So, sometimes it's not through choice. It's just because we don't have much heating. But... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I know that the cold water therapy yeah. is 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 definitely taking off. It seems to be like this new. Um, dare I, say, I, I don't want to say it in case I, I jinx it, right? But it sounds like a fad. Yeah. But the people who've who've dipped their toes in it essentially, they don't seem to come back to hot shivers. Yeah. You know, they seem, they seem to like, like yeah. Uh, once you get past that that pain threshold, I guess yeah. it is what it is. They they stick with it because it's got some type of purpose for them. It's got some type of I don't know, it helps to elevate them. Yeah. Um, I've tried it. 
and I don't think I've tried it long enough yeah. to, to get the benefit yeah. of it because I, I very quickly went back to hot shovels. Um, <laughs> but next week I'm going to actually try and attempt, re-attempt re yeah. to step back into that world of cold water. Then yeah. um, in Scotland we're, we're blessed You've to have so much water, yeah. <laughs> I think as well, I mean, you said it then, try, you just said it yourself a bit, really try new things sometimes. I do try yeah. something new every year, whether it's, I do a lot of courses, that's the other thing, keep learning. So, you know, staying active, maybe try some new things, try with some new hobby, try something new every year. Um, keep learning. Yeah. yeah. Whether that's academically or by trying new things. You're good. You put that in two ways, can't you? Yeah. Keep learning, try and, try and do something new. I always try and do a new qualification. I done a degree last year, done it in a year, home study through the Welsh government, fully funded. There's courses out there that you can do. You know, that was a, a complete degree in uh, leadership and management for free. Yeah. You know, so there's courses out there you could do. There's probably some Scottish government funded stuff. There's like PLU accounts in Wales now. You can go on and do level three courses for free if you're in, earning under a certain amount of money as well. Um, so there's that side of it. And I think really just do things that make you smile. I always end on that one because, you know, life's tough enough, isn't it? We've got yeah. a hard enough life. I think mean, I, I can safely say everything I'm involved in, whether it's Veterans Awards, Forces Fitness, the stuff I do with my boy, which is the rugby and help him out a little bit sometimes, do a little bit of coaching with the kids, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I love, I love my job. I love Forces Fitness. I, you know, I love being here tonight, seeing what we put together with Veterans Awards. So just try and do something that makes you smile. Yeah. Nice. Good advice, man. Good advice. Um, so we've got a closing ritual on the podcast. Uh, so the podcast is sponsored by IFF and IFF designed the kit bag. Um, and for every guest that we get on the show, IFF kindly donated a kit bag for that guest to take away. With the hope that you'll be able to use it for yourself, with your close people, the people that matter to you, and maybe even try and integrate it in other parts of your life. So it might be your business life, mm -hmm. it might be part of the Veterans Awards. Um, or some of the kids that you that you and your team work with in schools. So what I'm going to do, Sean, is I'm going to mix up the cards and I'm going to give you two cards at random. Mm -hmm. um, one card you've got to keep for yourself and tell us why you would like to keep that quality. Yeah. And the other card you've got to give away to somebody and okay. tell us why you would give it. So no it can be to a person, uh, an individual person that you know, somebody yeah. that you might not know, a family member, a, a team of people, a community of people. It might be somebody else. Um, but you need to be clear on why you're giving it and why you're keeping it. So, the two cards for you are those. Okay. So, I've got two cards, okay? So I've got, looks like the eagle and freedom, and it looks like a squirrel and yep. confidence, all right? So, I'll keep freedom because I, I pretty much hopefully, you know, I'd like to be free to do what I want to do. And yeah. that's something in life. The good thing is at the moment where I work with people, if I don't have to work with them again, I'll be polite, I'll be courteous, but I don't have to work with them again in the business I'm in. You know, yeah. I, I don't have, I, I, I'm not tied to anybody. Yeah. And that's something that means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, so confidence, I'm going to give this, I do you know what, I'm going to give this to Liverpool Football Club, who I support uh, with a passion in my heart. Yeah. And the reason I'm giving it to them is they've got to believe in themselves a little bit more. Yeah. I think they can do it. I think they've had up and down yeah. results this season. Yeah. You know, you see them, they smash Leeds 6-1. They, they Before that, they just haven't had that confidence to put them through. And I think that's what they need. So if you're listening, Jurgen Klopp, tell him <laughs> Sean says, confidence for the club. And I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll be there. A couple more games, getting a bit more confidence. I, I'll, I'll try and tag him in and make sure that he gets the message, <laughs> the message of confidence. Um, well, I actually, a Liverpool fan as well. Um, they've just not had a good season. 
Yeah. Uh, there's, there's been times where you think they're just they're oh, just about to turn seven yeah. 0 against Man United and then pff, beat two one. Like I so. think from my side, it's a bit about confidance. We've just talked about that's why it's come yeah. to my mind and finally yeah. come to me. Um, a bit about consistency. I know we had a lot of injuries, and I know we shouldn't moan on about injuries all the time. Um, and we're slightly changing the tweak in the position. I think in two two three signings maybe. Yeah. I think next year the boys will be back. They just need a little bit more confidence, definitely. Yeah. Squirrel confidence, yeah. consistency, and hopefully stay a little bit more injury-free. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It's always next season. Um, Sean, before I bring it to a complete close, I just want to uh, share some words. I just want to say thank you to you personally. I don't know how often you hear it. You might hear it all the time. You might not hear it enough. Uh, but what you do for this veteran community is really, really inspiring, and it's really, really important. Um, we've been to a few awards evenings and I, I find that when, when people leave the services, quite often what they do is they leave the community and, and they don't feel connected again. And what this Veterans Awards has done for BN Unity as an organisation is maintain a, an opportunity for us to stay close so as we can come and we can celebrate other veterans in the community. The feel that we got last year was one of connection and one of purpose. Um, and for us, bringing some veterans along we know that they don't feel that often. So personally, thank you for putting that opportunity on for people to connect um, and, and constantly showing the world and everybody else, business community, uh, charity communities, whatever it might be, thank you for showing them that veterans are veterans are good in the community and they're good in business. So thanks very much. No, thank you. Listen, thanks for having me, really. It's been a really good chat. Could have gone on for longer, I think. Could have gone on for hours, Aye. couldn't we? But no, yeah. thank And I'd just like to say, while we're on air, thanks to everyone who supported the Veterans Awards as well, because obviously we were, without the sort of sponsors and the backers and the volunteers and the people that really put their graft in, yeah. you know, the independent panel, uh, the judges, you know, everybody that's involved with it, yeah. you know, all these people are doing it for the good of community. Then there's no, you know, financial value. They're not making any money off it. And, and, and that's what, that's what, that's what I like the most. But so keep up the good work. Thanks for having me so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. In this mindful minute segment of the podcast, I would like to invite you to reflect on the episode. Uh, listen to the sounds and rhythm of the river flowing, the birds singing, and perhaps focus on your breathing and the different sensations in your body. So when you hear the bell, and if it's safe, so make sure you're not driving, I'd like you to close your eyes and just be with yourself, bringing those feelings and sensations into awareness. So here we go.
And that brings us to the end of our mindful minute. I hope that it brought a sense of calm over you and provided some clarity of thought. Thank you very much for taking part. <laughs>